0: Welcome back to another episode of the Dead Center podcast. We're happy to have you. Hope everyone had a good holiday season and we're excited to, you know, kick off 2024 and, you know, Dead Center has a lot of things in store. We're looking forward to, you know, this next festival in June and a lot of, you know, fun events coming up in January. And uh, for today's episode, it'll just be uh, myself, Nick Hodge, your host. And I know we're excited for, um, you know, a lot of things coming up in January. Uh, you know, first up on the docket is January 11th screening at Film Row of uh, Sam uh Greener Pastures documentary. Um, and we were actually lucky enough to have Sam on the show today, and we will be having an interview with him um, later in this episode. So um, stay tuned for that, and we look forward to um, you know, having him in town to discuss that documentary. Um, you know, it's about where our food comes from and the farmers behind all of that, so definitely stay tuned for that. Otherwise, in January, we have Glitter Ball coming up uh, January 13th of this month at the Jones Assembly. Um, So definitely uh, check out the Dead Center Instagram page and website for more details on that. Um, And yeah, it is a uh, free to the public event. So we're excited to host that for everyone. And um, we wanna thank everyone that helped pull off the recent uh, Una Noche and Make the Yuletide Gay events. Uh, Those are two very successful Dead Center outings. And we appreciate everyone that screened films there and came out to participate in those events. And um, otherwise, um, we're really looking forward to, you know, just getting the ball rolling for 2024 and Dead Center's events. And look forward to uh, speaking with more of our programmers uh, with episodes to come, so uh, stay tuned for those. And we're excited today to talk with Sam Mirporian about his film, Greener Pastures. So here's our interview with Sam. All right, here we are with uh, Sam Mirpourian, um, director of Greener Pastures. Uh, we're happy to have you on the show. How are you doing today? Doing well, man. How are you doing? We're doing good. Doing good. Uh, you know, starting about to start the new year. So <laughs> looking forward to what 2024 has to offer. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, well, I want to just kind of go right into it and kind of ask you, so you started out uh, in like uh, making music videos in your filmmaking career, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. I uh, When I was, started off like in 2011, 2012, 13-ish, um, graduated high school. I uh, just knew I wanted to, to get after it in some capacity and shooting on my Canon T2i with music videos and like artists in the city. It was like the closest bit of exposure you could get that I could like, I could get with like telling stories and like video and film. So yeah, started out doing that for about five years and that developed into the sorority videos. And then that led me to where I'm at now. <laughs>
0: Well, awesome. Awesome. I love it. I love that uh, how a lot of people, especially like, you know, since like the Internet, obviously the last like 15 years, especially it just it's easier than ever to just put your stuff out there, you know, even if you have like the lowest of low budgets. So what were kind of some things you learned about like independent filmmaking, per se, like during that period?
1: Yeah, I mean, like during the period of between like doing music videos and just doing like the whole run and gun, one man band kind of kind of thing, Um just got to learn that like anything is possible like it doesn't matter if you're shooting on a on a really low budget uh, DSLR or if you're shooting on like an iPhone like anything is possible and I think if you have a story and honestly it just ultimately comes down to like the person like how bad do you want it how bad do you want to really get after it and for me I just I, you know didn't have any money I am in Indiana so you know, the market is very small. I think it's like an incredibly interesting place to be, but, uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I Sorry. wanted to ask you, cause we're like based out of Oklahoma city. And so it's like, you know, a similar, like, you know, kind of film market, um, uh, of like kind of the smaller markets, like what is, how would you describe the Indiana film market?
1: So I would say the film market in Indiana is like, it's, it's very dynamic in the space of like commercial productions like corporate corporate style pieces, like pharmaceutical kind of things. Cause like Eli Lilly is here. So like, that's one of the biggest pharmaceuticals in the world. So there are a lot of commercials, a lot of internal videos get shot there. But mm-hmm. then when there's also a really major sports market, sports scene, a lot of, a lot of NCAA stuff happens, uh, a lot of Colts, Pacers shoots. So like a lot of commercials in that space, also the Indy 500. So like mm-hmm. it's very dynamic in the sports commercial world. As far as like film goes, I don't want to say it's non-existent, but it's pretty like budding. It's growing. Um, like we have the Heartland Film Festival, which is which is kind of like at the same caliber level as, as Dead Center. Like right. both awesome qualifiers, like both really great festivals. Um, but like outside of that, you know, I we are working toward the tax incentive to like incentivize studios to come shoot stuff here for like that thirty to forty percent tax credit. But like so many studios are all like they're they're opting to go to like Chicago on our, on our left, Ohio, Cincinnati on our right. And then like Louisville below us because like it's way more incentivized, way more easy. So like, right. um, It's getting better for sure, but it's not where it could be.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So you grew up in Indiana, correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Born raised and currently still residing in Indianapolis. So like I, you know, I, I mean, for, for what I do, like I love it. Like it's very affordable. It's super interesting, and I've been blessed and fortunate enough to have uh, the relationships I do, uh, mainly in Chicago and out west, Seattle uh, area.
0: I love that. I love that. I uh, I went to Indiana uh, or Indianapolis as a kid. Uh, I was in like competitive marching band, and we were able to perform on the Colts field, and that was like my one that was interaction awesome. with Indiana. <laughs> That's awesome. But so I wanted to ask you, so growing up in Indiana, like what what was like your first, you know, kind of catalyst that made you want to like pursue a career in filmmaking?
1: I would say uh, I feel like subconsciously it was embedded in in in, like who I am as a person in my fabric. Like when I was probably in elementary and middle school, my my dad worked at Indiana University's, uh, it's called UITS, which is like technology services. So like Hmm. he always would expose me to technology. He'd bring broken laptops around and I got to mess with them, fix some, play around with them. He also really loved bringing this giant Panasonic VHS tape. to like all of our family events, our basketball games, like everything. So like, like subconsciously, I just was exposed to it and I guess never really realized it until high school when I stopped playing competitive basketball, because that occupied a lot of my time. And I did a, I did my first video when I was a sophomore in high school. Uh, I dressed my friend up as a tree and did something for my botany class.
0: Yeah.
1: And then after that, um, my uncle really like enabled me to keep going because he bought me a Nikon Coolpix digital camera. And then after that, he then got me a Panasonic camcorder. And then pretty much after that, it just... I just tried to keep evolving and it started kind of more in the journalism space when I was doing like new school newspaper stuff. And then it just kind of evolved into what it is now.
0: I love that. I love that. Cause, uh, so kind of going from, you know, like you were saying earlier, that kind of just like running gun filmmaking earlier, like what advice would you give to people that are kind of in that level of their career? Kind of, you know, just, the you know paying crew with pizza like doing like shoots locally like that kind of level of filmmaking like what advice would you give to those kind of aspiring filmmakers
1: yeah I would say like you know like it it's not it's not like a big deal or don't ever feel rushed to feel like you need to figure it out immediately like you know I I just turned 30 in April so I'm always in a place where like I'm comparing myself to other 28 29 30 year olds that are doing what they're doing, where they're at. And obviously compare what's, what's the phrase uh, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. So like you, you get it wrapped up in that. And for me, like I'm kind of the place where I'm happy, but you know, I've appreciated my process. I've appreciated where I'm at. And so I guess I would tell people like, take your time, figure it out, you know, and if it's something that you truly want to do, you know, you'll always figure out a way to do it and you, and you, and you, you love it. And it almost feels like a, like an addiction where you just want to keep telling stories. You just want to keep getting back out there. And obviously I am a proponent of finding that, that work life balance, you know, get your mental health and get that space, right. Don't try to you know, take on too much, but um, just have fun and enjoy and love doing it. Cause um,
0: that's kind of how I operate. Absolutely. Yeah. That kind of like passion for it comes first sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, Totally. Um, So I wanted to ask you, so, like, you've obviously kind of found yourself, you know, mainly working in the documentary space now from, like, Destination Park to Sunny and now Green Pastures, which uh, I have to say won the Grand Jury Award for Best Documentary Feature at the 2024 Mountain Film Festival in Telluride, Colorado. Uh, Try saying that five times fast. Uh, (laughs) uh, Can you kind of talk about why you like, you know, the documentary space so much as, like, your medium for storytelling?
1: Man, I mean, it's like it's it's as truthful as it gets, you know. Like it's literally, you know, it's nonfiction. It's real life. Um, but it goes back to what you talked about, where as an eighteen-year-old in Indiana with no money, no equipment, like how do you how do you just dive into it? Mm. And like you know, I, I just had it's like it was the when I think about when I think about fiction and like the writing and the locations and the scouting and the actors and all that stuff. I just feel like so much of that stuff costs so much money, you know, like to get all that stuff going for, you know, someone who wants to make it happen. So for me, documentary was just the cheapest, quickest, most intuitive way to to learn how to tell stories. And, um, I want to start like bouncing back and forth between the two. Like I actually, I submitted my, my debut narrative short to dead center for next year. So I hope fingers crossed, Um uh, But yeah, it's, it it was just the best way to get exposed to storytelling.
0: I love that. And you kind of have like, what does your process look like on documentaries? Cause I, uh, I had the honor of working on a documentary for the first time this past spring and I hadn't worked on them before. And, you know, it's a lot different than a narrative, like being on those kind of sets, a lot more, um, you know, kind of like guerrilla film style and stuff. Like what are some of your kind of like key things that you like to, uh, you know, go with going to a day of documentary filmmaking?
1: Yeah, I would say, uh, One thing that I really just learned so quickly was, um, like how, how much, how, how relationship driven it is. Like Mm -hmm. you're not going to get the vulnerable and intimate and deep moments that some of the greatest films have without establishing, you know, that camaraderie between you and your characters, between you and your subjects, between you and your, your people. Like, um, just having a bond, having a relationship, being vulnerable with them, um, taking what they're going to give and then doing that vice versa. uh, Like you have to be able to reciprocate that or they're not going to trust you. And like, also uh, I I don't want to say it's easier for me, but you know, being in the Midwest, it's easier for folks to like trust me because I'm not like a, I'm not like an industry plant from Mm -hmm. New York or LA. Like I, I'm a homegrown like who's your bleeding you know in person from indiana so it's like uh, i kind of have a little bit of a leg up uh for sure with that and i just try to be as honest as possible
0: i love that i love that yeah at the end of the day it's like you're talking about like earlier like getting to that like realness and that's like at the heart like what like you said the relationship part of the documentary is like what it's all about so i love that um And so, uh, obviously you mentioned, um, the screening, uh, I guess I'll go ahead and mention it now that January 11th, uh, dead center will be hosting a screening of your film, greener pastures. So check out dead centers resources for the more details on that, but for our audience that hasn't seen the film yet, can you kind of describe what the film's about and kind of what the production of it looks like?
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. Pretty much, uh, followed four farm families, uh, from 2018 to 2023, basically. Um, between Ohio, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, and Missouri. So, I mean, I really thought we did a good job really deeply embedding ourselves uh, in the Midwest, um, really as as honest and as as wholesome as we possibly could. And uh, I'm really proud of what we were able to do, follow two dairy farmers, a corn and soybean farmer and a livestock farmer. So really try to tell that whole spectrum of agriculture, not just focusing on just like one facet of it. And then really try to tell a very equitable story between men and women. Um, So we've got, you know, like two, 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 three main characters that are men and then two to three main characters as women. So we have a nice balance. Um, And yeah, I mean, I think like it's just like a major slice of life. I mean, I remember, you know, getting up three, four in the morning when there's frost on the crops, uh, you know, super cold, like just getting in the combine, being in there for two, three, eight, 11, 12 hours a day. Mm. And then, you know, getting to see their lives outside of agriculture that it's much more deeper than just farming. And um, yeah, it's just, for me, I just really hope people are empathetic and have an appreciation for where their food comes from. And hopefully um, people think twice, maybe they shop more locally. Uh, Maybe they're just more conscious about the way they purchase things. So yeah, it just was a, it was a major life lesson, and life experience uh, for myself too.
0: Absolutely. I love that. Um, so yeah, definitely. If you haven't seen the, the this film uh, for those listening, definitely check it out. And then while we're on it, is there a place that uh, like the audience can uh, check the film out?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have the trailer, uh, the trailer's on YouTube. Um, and we've had, we have a website, greenerpasturesfilm.com. Uh, I know that we'll be screening, uh about four. We have four festivals lining up. Uh when when does this podcast release, by the way? So I, I don't know if I'm allowed to publicly say this yet.
0: Yeah, uh it'll release on January 1st, 2024. So to start okay.
1: So we've got four festival screenings. Got I think two or three in February, one in April, I think, and one in May. Um so we're definitely hitting the festival season pretty hard this year, like we did last year. Last year we screened at like probably 30, 35 festivals. Um, we'll probably do maybe another 10 to 20 this year. And then our, uh, P- PBS and independent lens brought, uh, acquired the film. So we'll have our nationwide broadcast in front of, I think their reach is like two to 5 million homes, uh, on March 25th. So two months after our screening with you guys. Um, so the timing's really well, it works out really well. Um, yeah, just trying to just get as many screenings as going and sharing the message.
0: I love that. I love that. And congrats on that, that March, uh, that March broadcast. That's big time. So congrats on Thank that. You, man. Thanks, man. Um, and I want to talk to you too. Cause like, you know, kind of something you like touch on in your work is kind of like, you know, the aspect of like, you know, mental health and taking care of that. Um, can you kind of talk about like why that, you know, kind of part of life is important to you and getting the word out about that? Yeah.
1: I mean, it, it has, as, uh, has, I, try, like, I can't really say this without sounding bleak, but it's like, you know, I, you know, in the Midwest, at least in the work that I've done, uh, it seems like mental health is such a constant. Um, and it's not like I'm, I don't want to say it, well, at this point, I'm probably an advocate, but it's not like I'm like chasing it or trying to, um, you know, I guess delineate it so much in my work. It just continues to, to be this theme, this motif. So like, mm. I've kind of embraced it actually. And for me, I just think like, it's fascinating because even as much as it's talked about today and it's continuing to, to amplify uh, it still feels that people uh, are not as comfortable with it or, or think it's taboo or uh, find themselves too invested or interested in the topic. But mm-hmm. um, you know, anxiety, depression, we feel those kinds of things and whether we're aware of it or not, um, they, they metastasize in so many different ways, whether it's a physical symptom or a mental symptom and, I just think it's great if people have more conversations about it. If, if you need to go to therapy, if you need to do those kind of things, absolutely. Um, you know, I, have I've been to therapy and it was great, um, uh, just with the stresses of life and do and taking on all these, all these projects. So, um, it, it's really great. And, uh, yeah, I just want people to know that it's a very normal thing. You know, people go to the doctor for a broken arm or a, a sprained ankle, you, you know, it's, it's normal to go to the doctor for, stress and for anxiety and for depression and things like that too
0: no absolutely i appreciate you for saying all that because yeah it's like you said it's like uh unfortunately there's still kind of like a stigma around it and it's like you know i'm someone that also goes to therapy and you know try to like you know be vocal about you know mental health stuff and i just i think it's really important what you're uh what you're doing and speaking up for that so uh definitely appreciate you for doing all that (laughs) awesome thank you man yeah. Yeah. And then, um, I wanted to ask you before, uh, kind of our final question, uh, what upcoming projects or things do you kind of have going on in the near future after greener pastures that you want to, that you want to mention?
1: Yeah. Uh, so last year was pretty, was pretty busy. Uh, I guess, I guess this year because it's still, it's still 2023. <laughs> I'm like, my mind is like 2024 cause we're literally like three days away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on the, I was on the, the trail for, for Greener Pastures and my doc, Short Safe Place. Um, so I'm excited to bring both of those into this year to, like, kind of put a bow on them and uh, see what happens, like, in the, you know, in the, in the festival space. And maybe if we get lucky, we can compete for some some awards. Um, Safe Place won the grand jury at Austin, so that's Oscar qualified. And I think we want to try uh, doing an Oscar qualifying theatrical run, like, in February before our broadcast. So focusing on those two things, but then I'm starting to uh, transition a little bit into maybe the next project. Uh, the, the short that I submitted to Dead Sand, that's called Neon Banana. That's about sex um, sextortion, which is like the fastest growing crime in the world, according to the FBI. So we'll see if we can get some festival love and get submitted there. Maybe get some some kind of distribution there. And then um, trying to develop and figure out what the next feature, feature doc looks like um, I've got like three ideas that I'm trying to float and figure out uh and start production maybe for the next like two months on. But yeah. Gotcha.
0: Well awesome. We'll definitely keep a, a lookout for all of those. And I wanted to ask you, speaking of kind of the festivals and stuff, like uh what has been uh, your experience like uh with your uh like recent, you know, like Dead Center kind of run and everything with uh so what has your experience been like with Dead Center? <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh I mean, dead center has been great, man. I would have, I mean, it would have been a dream to like screen greener pastures and safe place. I I mean, I know it's like incredibly, it's incredibly competitive. Like these festivals get, you know, hundreds and thousands of submissions. So it's like, they only can pick obviously like, you know, one to two, 5%. Um, but greener pastures and safe place did not get into dead center last year. So, I mean, I, and obviously there's not a reason to submit probably this year because we're doing this with you guys, but, um, and no, it's been great. Sunrise reached out, um, which was really awesome, and shared shared the film with him. And uh, as soon as he reached out, I got really excited because, like, the Midwest, like, any festival in the Midwest, I feel like is a really good um, audience and market for greener pastures. And just, like, all the work that I do in general because, you know, I'm, I'm based in the Midwest. I'm telling Midwestern stories about Midwestern people. So, like, it, I just felt like it was super fitting. And when you think about the Midwest, you know, there's only a handful of really oscar qualifying i mean there's, there's i mean actually i take that back there's there's brilliant festivals everywhere festivals are amazing they're the lifeblood of independent filmmakers and i would not be in this position without film festivals mm-hmm. but um you know dead center does a really great job like just positioning themselves into, in, in, into the elite group uh within the space and it's been really really awesome i'm really excited and uh, you know i'm hoping to hoping to spend some time at the festival when you guys have it i think it's in june right
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. That'll be June uh, six through nine. So yeah, we're looking forward to this next one. So yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah, man. I definitely want to be able to to get out there during the fest, but uh, excited for the continuum series. And yeah, man, just want to keep doing work and playing and at these kind of festivals. And yeah, just really grateful for the opportunity.
0: Absolutely. And like you said, and have been mentioning like throughout this podcast is like, it is exciting kind of the, the Midwest is starting to get in, you know, on the filmmaking stuff and finding their kind of own like niches and stuff from, you know, New Mexico to where you are in Indiana, you know, these, you're kind of, these pockets are popping up and it's, you know, kind of been, you know, something really inspiring to see over the last several years. So um, it's kind of exciting for the future of filmmaking, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, so we always end on one prompt, uh, and uh, I wrote the one for this week, and it's, if you could collaborate with any filmmaker, past or present,
1: who would you choose? Oh, man, Christopher Nolan.
0: Yeah, <laughs> nice, nice. Is there a specific movie of his that's, like, your favorite? Uh, well, the
1: the genesis of my company name, Intersection, uh, is, like, a play on between Interstellar and Inception which nice. no one would ever think about because intersection is a normal word in itself. But like <laughs> right. the way it came to, the way it came to me is like, Oh man, like it's my biggest set of inspiration. Uh, I just, you know, I just think he's, I think he's wonderful. Like just for the, the, the thought provoking and cerebral element to all of his movies. Um, I don't, I, you know, and obviously he does all, you know, fiction. So like nonfiction, um, I mean, there's great filmmakers out there. Earl Morris, Matthew Heineman, Bing Liu, uh, Jesse Moss. Um, I mean, the list goes on. So, I mean, I just hope that, you know, uh, one day if I'm lucky enough to collaborate and, uh, you know, work on projects at, at that scale, do those kind of fun things, it'd be, it'd be amazing.
0: I love that. I love that. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, we appreciate you for uh, coming on the show. And uh, was there anything else you wanted to highlight or put a spotlight on before we sign off?
1: No, I'm just really excited for the event. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, we can pack the house and have a really great conversation. I'm also really excited. Chris will be there. Uh, Chris is like a longtime uh, family farm advocate, family farmer himself, and he's been he's been through a lot in his life. Um, I don't know if you've seen the film, but like you know, he's you get to see everything he's been through, and uh, it's definitely you know puts a lot of perspective of what farmers and people in the Midwest uh, have to go through, especially especially in the in the space of of mental health and and suicide.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you, Sam, and we will see you for the, uh, in Jan- or we'll see your film at the January 11th screening, and we look forward to it. So, uh, you know, have a good uh, 2024. Thank you, man. Take care. All right. Bye. Amen. <laughs> Well, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Dead Center podcast. And we look forward to talking with uh, Dead Center program Lauren Chapman on the next episode uh, to discuss everything award season. So look forward to that episode number three and you all have a good rest of your week. This podcast is sponsored by RK1 Studios. Thank you to Randy and Matthew for providing audio services in order to record this podcast. Check out their services at rk1studios.com. The Dead Center podcast intro music is provided by Aaron Newberry of Kid Again Music. Check out Aaron's music at Kid Again Music wherever you find your music on streaming.